Darling, didn't anyone ever tell you the rules you use to judge yourself aren't real? Right, here we are back again in another episode. Thanks for thanks for tapping into this one. This was a request by the audience. I posted over in my Instagram stories a while back for topic ideas. And this is one that I've been looking forward to. I've talked about this in other places uh, at other times. But this is something that always gets brought up when people realize that I'm Christian um, and I, I go to church and, you know, read the scripture and have an active faith life. They're like, what do you, can you talk about modesty? Can you talk about, you know, ugh, causing men to sin and, and what, what do we do there? And it is really interesting because our body relationship has so many different facets to it. The different things that can influence your relationship with your body span from the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the exercise you do, the movement you do, the people you spend time with, the TV shows you watch. It's, it's everything. And the stressful part about this is that these are things that happen every single day. You have to eat food every single day. You have to get dressed every single day. And just with those two examples, that means there's an opportunity for doubt, for stress, for a decision. And you can have decision fatigue. You can have... this doubt uh, or criticism, you can be met with criticism based on those decisions that you make. Um, Even if your intentions had nothing to do with the criticism you received. So there are a lot of opportunities for things to go wrong. And especially in a culture where the choices of women are under a microscope constantly, It's difficult to simply exist without people dumping their opinions on you. And usually when people decide to dump an opinion, it's a criticism. It's a negative opinion. And if you want to live at peace, you have to get really good at saying goodbye to the negative opinions, to the criticism dumping, and just the ridiculous nature of some of the things some people within religious groups are going to tell you is true about the choices you make, the clothes you wear, how you express yourself, what your sense of style says about your spirituality and your relationship with God. So what I'm going to do in this episode is pull some scripture, but I want to focus more on the character of God, 
the fact that women are also created in the image of God and what that means as far as how God designs women to exist in the world. And we're going to talk about intention and heart posture because if you know anything about the character of God, you know that the heart is what counts. At the end of the day, it's where was your heart in that decision? Where is your intention? That's what matters. And if, if anyone is focusing too much on the decisions you make, the specific clothes you wear, the specific things you do or don't do, like that's where it becomes legalism. That's where it becomes the people Jesus actually came to tell them they were wrong. <laughs> and the same thing with like what you eat, right? So you can take this to to that perspective as well. Like, are we going out here saying like Christians are only allowed to eat certain food? No. No. That was specifically called out in the New Testament that we don't need to do that anymore. At one point, yeah, there were certain food that the Israelites, you know, couldn't eat. God told them not to eat certain food at certain periods, like before the flood, after the flood, all that. So if you look in the Old Testament, yes, there were specific instructions God gave to people to not eat certain foods, but that is no longer true in the freedom of Christ in the New Testament. Now, why am I talking about this in an episode about modesty and what you wear and style and self-expression? Well, God doesn't want you stressing out about the food you eat in the same way he doesn't want you stressing out about the clothes you wear. Like, it's not within the character of God and it's not within the character of Christ to be like, you're not allowed to wear this thing. <laughs> right? Like, that's just at a, at a baseline, like 30,000 foot view into what God wants his people to do and how he wants them to live. It's not about those details. It's not about what you eat. It's not about what you wear. It's not even about like how much money you give to the church or you do like, it's not about those details. It's about why are you doing what you're doing? Because that's the part that really shows your heart in it, okay? So just to start from the beginning, beauty is good. Ecclesiastes says, God made everything beautiful in its time. So I had the unfortunate experience of coming across a crazy comment section on Instagram that was talking about how women should not look good if they are Christian. They should not strive for beauty. They should not care about their external appearance. They should only care about, you know, having, having the character of God and that beauty is bad and beauty is vanity. And I was like internally and externally screaming because that's not true. When God made creation and said it is good, he made creation beautiful and it was good. Are you saying that human beings made in the image of God are not beautiful, should not be beautiful? That the things that God made, we should not take care of them? We should not portray them in a way that is 
beautiful? I disagree, and Ecclesiastes disagrees as well. So this this idea that I don't think is the majority, right? I don't think the majority of Christians would, would say this and agree with this, but it's out there. And because I came across it in the last week or two, I, I wanted to just for the record be like, um, let's unpack that argument a little bit. Uh, no, <laughs> you are not vain if God made you beautiful. You didn't ask to be created the way that you are. Whether you fall into the beauty standard or you don't, you didn't ask to have the legs that you do, the face that you do, the hair that you do. God made you that way. And God doesn't do things by accident. And God used the beauty of women for his purposes. Esther was the most beautiful woman like in the land. That's why she was chosen to replace Queen Vashti in the book of Esther, okay? So like, don't tell me that beauty is wrong and bad. I will point you to the book of Esther and say, really? <laughs> Explain this to me then. And yeah, can beauty be a, a trap and a pitfall for vanity? Of course. But you can be vain and ugly at the same time. The definition of vanity is excessive pride in one's appearance or achievements. So if you're super prideful, super proud of your achievement of modesty, that's vanity. <laughs> so beauty is not vanity in itself. And it's not only beautiful people who are vain. That's the philosophy part of this. That's the, okay, let's... Let's dissect this argument, okay? And, and when it comes to modesty, so yes, there is a part in 1 Timothy. It's 1 Timothy 2.9. Um, I listened to the episode from Redemption Church on July 10th, 2022. So if you want to look that up and listen to it as well, they talk about the certain dress that, you know, this scripture was saying for women not to wear. And within that context, that type of dress, braided hair, gold jewelry, whatever, was a common dress of temple prostitutes. If a woman was dressed like that, that meant a certain thing, right? Within that culture. So I think what we can take from this is do not dress in the way that shows you are a prostitute, which if we look in our culture, there's really, we don't have that anymore, right? Like there used to be actual like black and white signs of I am a prostitute, right? We don't have that anymore. So really within the cultural context, this part of it doesn't really apply. So I would argue within the cultural context, unless there is something that I don't know about that specifically says, hey, I'm a prostitute, um, this part doesn't really apply. I think what he's getting at here is don't dress in a way that indicates you're one of these temple prostitutes. But this brings up a good point that it's like, what is modesty within 
cultural context. Because unless there is unless there is a booklet, a manual of how Christians are supposed to dress, we need to take all of our modesty cues from our culture, which that doesn't really make sense either. Because in different cultures around the world, different things are considered modest versus immodest when it comes to dress. We saw this that women were forced to wear certain things, otherwise they would be killed. Do we take our modesty cues from Iran? Or do we only take them from American culture? Because, you know, Christianity is America. (laughs) No, it's not. Like, you need to have a more global view of, well, where do we get these modesty cues then? Do we get them from American culture? Do we get them from British culture, other Western European cultures? Do we get them from African cultures? Do we get them, where do we get them from? Because God is a God of his people around the world. It's not just the God of American churches. There are, there are groups of people in Africa. There are groups of people in Thailand, Indonesia, where women are topless and it's not considered sexual whatsoever. They go topless in a similar way that men do. Can we take our modesty cues from that culture? Because then I'm pretty sure anything that I see someone wearing in in America is totally fine. But we shame women for showing what? a piece of her body that our culture has deemed sexual? Well, why is every single inch of a woman's body sexualized? Why? That's our culture's problem. That's not my problem as a woman. And then we have to ask questions about other cultural contexts as well. That it's like, okay, so if... If these are the contexts where women's bodies are sexualized, you know, oh, you can't show a certain amount of your thigh, you can't show a certain amount of your midriff, you can't wear crop tops, you can't wear low-cut shirts. Okay, so then men should not be able to be doctors to women if you're Christian, right? Because it should never be a scenario where a man sees that part of a woman unless he's married to her and that is his wife, right? That is the next line of logical reasoning. You would say, okay, well, where, where do we draw that line then? Oh, it's different because it's, it's within a medical context. Okay, well then, so that tells me it's not about the woman's body. It's about the context that you're seeing her in. And that is what I think Jesus was getting at in Matthew 5, 27 through 29. He had a different take on who's responsible for for the sin or the lust that may be coming up in a man. He said, the eye is causing the sin. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, take it out. He doesn't say, if a woman is causing you to sin, tell her to put clothes on. It's all about the intention of the person getting dressed, right? and the person seeing them. So when, whenever you go to get dressed, first of all, I hope that what other people see when they look at you is not what you're thinking of. 
But definitely in this case, if you're asking yourself, oh, is this modest? Is this not modest? Ask, what does God see when I wear this? Does he see his daughter getting into a comfortable outfit to go out for a run when it's hot outside? Yeah? Okay. Then maybe it's okay for you to go outside in the sun and the heat wearing tight bicycle shorts and a sports bra. Because if you're not sexualizing yourself, I don't think God is sexualizing you when he looks at you. We can't be ignorant to the fact that our culture, which is a patriarchal culture, a misogynistic culture, plays a role in the advice that we have heard from a lot of churches on this topic of modesty. Because one thing I find very interesting is the women who men find attractive are usually the ones being policed for what they wear. So is it really about what they're wearing or is it about how those men are responding to what they see when they look at a woman? I have a lot of personal examples of this happening to me and women I know in the church. They wear something that they look good, but they're not showing any any parts of their body that everyone else isn't showing, but they're the ones who get pulled aside and talked to about their clothes and their shirt that they wore, even though they didn't show anything different than what half the other girls were wearing. It's, it's this one who gets pulled aside because, you know, the boys are attracted to you. And so you need to be more mindful of what you wear. No, you don't. Pull the boys aside and say, stop looking at her like that. She's not a sexual object. Stop thinking that way about her. (laughs) Women are not objects for you to sexualize, thank you. Because telling the women, the girls, not to wear that creates shame for them. So if there are certain styles, certain outfits that you feel shame if you wear them, I want you to ask yourself, where does this shame come from? Who told me that it's shameful to wear something like this? And is that actually true? What is my intention when I wear this? Because let me tell you something. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Reminds me of that. Let me tell you something. I a while back, stopped thinking about what someone else might think when they see me dressed a certain way. I stopped letting that enter my decision-making process a few years ago. I live in a warm climate. I lived in LA, live in Florida. I live in a warm climate and I wear crop tops. I wear, you know, whatever I want. Crop tops are kind of my thing. I like that because I think it looks good on my body shape. It's comfortable. And that's just what I like. That's my sense of style. I have a just, it's it's not a very like flowers and dresses and, and skirts type style. It's like a, 
high-waisted pants, crop top, black, leather, neutrals type, like crop top with a blazer type style. That's my personal sense of style. And that's what I feel most comfortable in. That's how I express myself through fashion, through style. And my intention is to put together an outfit that is interesting, that is comfortable, that fits the climate that I am existing in, and that looks like put together and cool. And because I am created by a creative God, I think that God looks at my outfits and goes, oh, my daughter is so cool. (laughs) I like this one. Look what she's got on. Look what she did. Look at her creativity. She put those shoes with that outfit, with those pants and that, and that jacket. That's amazing. Look at her boldness. It's, it's almost like, you know, when you're a kid or you see, you see a kid and they really want to wear a sparkly tutu over track pants. They want to wear that to school. You let them do it because it makes them happy. They're not doing it because everyone else is doing it. They're not doing it because they want attention. They're doing it because they love that sparkly tutu. And maybe it's cold outside, so they've got to wear the track pants underneath. That's how I see it. Like we have to stop seeing God as this judge who sits in the sky and says, your shorts are too short change your clothes like that I don't think that's what God is doing I don't think that's what God cares about I really don't man looks at the outside appearance but the Lord looks at the heart okay so if your heart in getting dressed is I want the attention of other people I want to look better than everyone else I want okay well what does that sound like I don't care If you're wearing a smock and you're going into a room thinking, I'm wearing this because I'm better than everyone else, that's wrong. That's what God would say, um, what you doing? (laughs) What's that about? Fix that heart posture there. You got to clean that out. But if you walk into a room literally naked, I I literally don't care. You could take it to the extreme. You walk into a room naked because you're like, you know what? This is how I feel most comfortable. I can't see how that's sinning. All the shame that we have about our bodies is learned. Remember when kids would run around naked in the neighborhood? I do. But nobody said anything about how shameful and sinful it was if little kids are running around naked. So my question is, when did it become a sin for my body to exist? (laughs) Right? Like... Give me that timeline because it doesn't make sense. You cannot put a logical explanation on this other than it's just cultural shame and cultural conditioning based on where you happen to live. Because, you know, we all remember you get out of the bath, you run naked into the living room and the rest of the family is there and you have no shame whatsoever. That's also how Adam and Eve were in the garden before sin entered the world. So actually, 
if you really like dial it back, God wants us to live without shame. That includes body shame that we have inherited from our culture and from this fallen world. And so it's like to spend time, to spend time worrying about the length of your sleeves or whether or not something has sleeves or to discuss how someone else is dressed. I cannot think of a bigger waste of time and I I think the character of God, I think God would agree. What are we trying to do? What are we trying to do? Everyone has their own relationship with God and God will reveal things to them in his time as he sees fit. The same is true with things that you eat, things that you drink, TV shows that you watch, things that you might wear, relationships that you might be in. There is a time for everything. And just by looking at what someone wears, you cannot get a good judge of where their heart is at. Absolutely not. And yeah, there are places in scripture that say, don't let your beauty be in outward appearance and adornment, but, you know, reflecting the character of Christ. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You will become more beautiful the more your character is shaped by God. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean external beauty is bad and sinful and vanity. It's just not true. So this may not have been the episode that you were expecting <laughs> about modesty and style and, you know, existing as a woman. But I hope it's something you haven't heard before. I hope it really helps you challenge these voices that might be trying to tell you that modesty is a certain length of skirt. Because you know what? Men of the world, right? Worldly men are going to sexualize a woman no matter what she's wearing. But godly men, men of the kingdom, will see their sister and see her as a human being, not a sexual object, no matter what she's wearing, right? No matter what she's wearing. And I have seen my own perception transform in my relationship with my body because being in the world, growing up in that culture, growing up in the culture of you're sexy, you're hot, you're thin, you're fit, you know, oh, you're so sexy. I sexualize my own body. I saw my own body as, oh, maybe that's not appropriate if I wear that. Oh, maybe I shouldn't because, you know, this part is going to whatever. No, I don't see myself like that anymore. I do not see myself, I do not see my body as a sexual object anymore. And that is because of the work that God has done in me. And because of that, I no longer feel shame or even feel like I'm being immodest no matter what I put on that day. 
It's like nothing that I can wear can be immodest because nothing about my body and my perception is sexual. And that's a radical thing to truly believe in a culture like this. God created you the way he created you. And if your intent, when you wake up in the morning and you eat and you get dressed and you go about your day, is to walk alongside the Lord, it doesn't matter what anyone says about what you chose to wear that day. Because then the question always becomes, am I dressed in a sexy way or are you sexualizing the way I'm dressed? Because we have different definitions of what sexy is. We have different definitions of what is appropriate and what isn't. And it has changed over time. It's different in different cultures. And because God is a God of all people throughout all time, in all cultures, there's no way to standardize this. I don't think that God wants us to be spending our time doing that. So what God is showing me in the realm of modesty is that modesty is always about what your intention is. You're allowed to have style. You're allowed to look good. I think God wants us to express ourselves through the way we dress, through the way we do our hair, through the way we do makeup, through the way we do everything, right? God is a creative, expressive God. And since we were made in his image, we also should be creative and expressive and have the freedom to do that. And Jesus made it pretty clear in Matthew 5. I didn't even want to address this point because in my mind it's so ridiculous, but it was part of the question, so I will address it. At what point are we responsible for tempting men into sin? And the, the answer is at no point. At no point can what you wear cause someone to sin. You wearing something that you love, that looks good on you, that's not, you're not doing anything wrong there, girly. <laughs> you're not doing anything wrong. And to this point, it's not like vanity is a sin exclusive to women or modesty is a command exclusive to women. And if in our mind, the way we view modesty is a prevention method of lust, we need to then ask ourselves, what would that even look like to try to monitor that for men? Like, is it okay for me to go up to a man who's wearing something that I find very attractive and making me lust towards him and be like, listen, you are not allowed to wear that backwards hat. It is causing me to sin no more backwards hats because I just find that really attractive. How absolutely insane does that sound? And the fact that it sounds insane shows how misogynistic this concept is. Because we can't even give an example of what that would look like for men because we're operating under these assumptions that lust is a problem for men 
and women cause it. But that's not true. Or, you know, maybe for me, what is really attractive and what really causes me to lust after someone is someone who's really wealthy. If you show up wearing diamonds and you're, you know, driving a really nice car, you've got a really nice house, I'm lusting after your wealth and I'm lusting after you. So does that mean you're not allowed to wear diamonds because I'm going to lust after that? So you have to think about even just like culturally, right? They didn't have pictures back then. You couldn't take a picture of yourself. So the way you looked, the way you were dressed wasn't really to accentuate your body. It was to show that you had wealth. Wealth and possessions and assets was more of a status symbol than just the way your face or body looked. Because what good does that really do for you? Only, only a handful of people at a time can see what you look like. But if you can share your wealth, if you can show off your wealth, that is going to be a higher form of social currency back in this time than if you looked really good in your outfit that day. Because guess what? No one saw you in your outfit. No one saw the way your hair looked except maybe 12 people when you walked to the market. You know, it's not like they had Instagram. It's not like they had magazines. It's, they didn't have these things. The thing you wanted to show off, the thing that you wanted to have were resources. Money, wealth, assets, resources. You know, we in culture make claims like, oh, men are visual creatures and they're attracted to women's bodies and women are attracted to men who can provide and protect and, and have a lot of money. Okay, so then are we creating certain standards for men that go along with that? Men of the church are not allowed to reach a certain level of success because it'll cause the women to lust after them. If these are the things that supposedly cause women to be attracted to men and lust after them, then why aren't we talking about modesty in that regard for men to monitor that? Because this has widely been used to control and oppress women. That's, that's the answer. Because when it sounds crazy applied the other way, that's how you know something's up. Right? How does it even sound? Ridiculous. Right? Ridiculous. I was listening to a podcast, or I, I don't remember if it was a podcast or a video of a podcast or what have you, but it was drawing this parallel that I found very interesting. And what they said was, men who get into relationships sometimes expect women to stop dressing a certain way once they're in a relationship because they don't want to attract other men, right? They don't want to be putting out the vibe that they're trying to attract another man. But is it fair for the woman to then turn to her man in a relationship and say, I don't want you to put out your status symbol of wealth 
because I don't want you to attract other women. So if we're going to get into a relationship, you need to get a different car. You can't wear that jewelry anymore. You're not allowed to wear those designer items because I don't want other women to know you have money. I thought that was, I thought that was brilliant. And I think it's relevant to this topic of modesty because then that conversation starts being quite different. We're asking, is modesty the way we avoid lust? No, that, that can't be what it is. It's not a treatment plan. It's not a preventative plan for lust. Because then you'd have to ask, well, what is it that every individual person on the planet is lusting after? I mean, there are people with all kinds of different fetishes. Am I supposed to never show my feet because somebody's got a foot fetish. I'm not responsible for that. And in the same way we think it's ridiculous for a man not to wear a backwards hat, I think men look really sexy in a backwards hat. That gets me. But I also realize that's a me thing. (laughs) I'm not going to expect anyone to change the way they dress or change the way they live their life to prevent me from feeling a kind of way. And that's how we know we're living in a patriarchal, misogynistic culture because we expect women to change what they're doing to fit into what men expect of them. I am not performing for men. Whether you're clapping or walking out, my life is not a performance for you. And I really do think it's an interesting observation that we as a culture expect women to diminish their social currency and their level of attractiveness to others when they're in a relationship, but we never even consider the thought of a man doing something in kind. We never consider a man diminishing his status to be less desirable to other women because he's in a relationship. Super interesting to me. Super interesting. I've never heard a sermon preached about modesty for men. And I think the fact that there isn't specific instruction on how to dress, just like there isn't specific instruction on how to date as a Christian, tells you everything you need to know about its importance or lack thereof, right? It's not important. It's not the focus. Jesus didn't come here to give you a new dress code. Jesus didn't come here to be your dating coach, right? Those things are not the focus. They weren't the focus of Jesus and they're not gonna be the focus of this podcast, (laughs) to be honest. Like I kind of hated getting that question because I was like, oh, for real, are we really talking about this? But it, it needs to be addressed so that we can move on. And hopefully this helped you see this through a new lens and really challenge the question itself because the question isn't how do I dress modestly? The question is what is modesty? How do you define it? What is its purpose? And where do we see any type of instruction from scripture. Because once you start asking those questions, 
it really gets away from the length of your skirt and how much of your skin is showing to what is the purpose of your life and where is your heart posture. So that's what I have to say about this topic. I do appreciate the question. If there are other topics you want me to cover, my DMs are always open on Instagram. So send me a message. And before I end, just want to do a shout out to Undiet Online. This is a platform I have joined as a body image expert, helping women build a healthy relationship with food and body. So if you want to check out that platform, I have the link in the show notes. Scroll down, click that link, and register for the platform if you have struggles with food, struggles with your body relationship. That is a great platform to be influenced and supported by hundreds of experts, and I'm one of them. So shout out to Undiet Online. Click that link, register, and I'll see you inside. But for now, I want to thank you for listening to this episode, and I'll see you back here again very soon.